when when I, three weeks ago when we made the announcement, I, I cited an experience from early January where we had been in Houston for the college football playoff, and then I traveled to Phoenix for NCA meetings, and after the NCA Division One Council meetings, where we don't make a lot of progress at any one point. Um, I had uh, several individuals come up and ask, like, when are, when are the Big Ten and SEC just going to tell us what they want? And that wasn't the first time that we had thought about um, this kind of collaborative effort. We do have the need in litigation to work together. Um, so the, the, the motivation is really around what I describe as understanding the expectation for leadership and accepting that responsibility. Uh, now, the outcomes are, are really focused, or the, the initial discussions are focused on what's immediately in front of us. So we have litigation issues. Uh, we want to understand the Project Division One model that, that Charlie Baker has introduced and, and is developing. Um, and so we'll, we'll be very focused initially. And then, you know, could it grow? That remains to be seen. But those are really important issues, by the way. You, know, you talk about the litigation. Upstairs to the litigation issues, the patchwork nature of things. Um, does it seem like that's just what? Does it seem like the political landscape's kind of bleeding into the college football? If somebody has an issue in co in college sports, they can politicians can find a, a way to kind of make it put it on their side and, and kind of get some traction regarding. I don't reduce any of what's happening to kind of a singular issue, be it governmental, political, legal, um, cultural. It's a combination of factors. And plenty of criticism about slow pace to change and adapt. The courts can, can, can compel adaptation. We've seen that. Obviously, state legislatures can compel and when it starts, it, it multiplies at whatever that particular venue. So um, do I think that there are some who say, look, I can be involved in directing the future of college athletics through legislative efforts? Sure. Same through legal efforts. Uh, we, as I note, have a responsibility um, inside to manage through this change as well. And I think fairly stated, a, a, a set of the concerns are I do think our student-athletes deserve better than this current atmosphere. I also, at the same time, and this will seem a dichotomy, think there's no better time to be a student-athlete than right now in the history of college athletics. For all of the criticism, um, I see a lot of smiles. I see a lot of opportunities. I see a lot of growth and development. Um, and, and I see you know, concierge health care, concierge mental wellness care, you know, immediate help. Uh, around academic support, people making progress, probably beyond even their own expectations academically. We're seeing more graduate patches right now because of COVID eligibility extensions. But we can't, we can't sit here and say, well, these great experiences mean we're at a destination because these external pressures are continuing to, to compel the need for conversation about change. I'm sorry, I missed the first part. Thoughts on expanding the CFP? I know we haven't started the 12-team model yet. Why do you think there is discussion about the 14, getting the 14 
when we were at none, there was conversation about more. When we were at two, there was conversation about more. We're at four, and there's conversation about more. Uh, when I was commissioner of the Southland Conference and we had a 16-team playoff, there was conversation about more. There was conversation in the NCAA basketball tournament about more. I think that's the reality of postseason bracketing. You know, the NFL's added more. I assume other professional leagues are talking about more. And I, I focus less right now on a particular number and, and think more broadly about how do we continue to move the game of college football forward. We're not going to guess on what people talked about and comment. We'll, we'll see what the future holds. I, I do, walking away from the particular question, uh, the strength of our league is remarkable in comparison to our colleagues in the sport of football. The ability to compare um, an eight and four, nine and three SEC team in the future, given the rigors of our schedule, both inside the conference and then the non-conference expectation, even at eight games, um, in my view, is beyond compare. Maybe there's one comparative, and and so there there are concerns that have been talked about in in our athletics director's room about um, that type of analysis. We also talk beyond football. We talk about scheduling in general. So basketball has led the conversation that because of the way selection can be positioned, it governs how we make scheduling decisions. And can we can we alter some of that thinking to free up additional schedule thinking for ourselves? That's well beyond a particular number or designation of automatic this or automatic that. I think it is one of the realities that's now upon us, given our, our overall strength. Um, lastly, I think last year, if you look at the 12 teams, in the, uh, if you look at the top 12 CFP teams, there was one not in the Big Ten or SEC. I think that's like the, the best evidence quickly of how, how the rigor of our schedule will exist in the future. Do you think Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I go back and look in the in the two team era, we had a two loss team in the national championship game, and I don't see anybody putting an asterisk by that game, that team, or that national champion. Great. Jordan K with the state newspaper. We you've talked, and a lot of coaches have talked about how silly the December schedule and calendar is for college football coaches. Yesterday, came out that the national signing day might get moved up to early December. Were you in favor of that? And also, what then to do with the, the transfer portal window? Do you keep it where it is? Do you move it back forward? We've had um, a series of conversations, so two in-person athletics directors meeting since the first of the year, and, and our head football coaches met. And that's preceded by a lot of conversation about models. A year ago, our football coaches talked about moving the early signing date a bit earlier um, so that you could have a sequence of deal with your high school recruiting class, deal with your own student athletes, then figure out the, the transfer realities. And, and right now it's all just in one big time frame. And so we've been thinking about a sequential order. 
Um, embedded in your question was my thoughts on the early signing period. I can go back and find the letters. I, I think the early signing period allows us, uh, obviously, to, to secure commitment sooner, but it does have a set of outcomes. I think the coaching change timeline um, is very different than it was pre-early signing. The recruiting activity has moved earlier, um, and any adjustment to that will we'll make it even more so. I, I don't think we've improved our coaches' lives, in other words, by early signing. I mean, if, if, we're, if we're really honest, we didn't stop recruiting in January like we used to when signing was in early February. It just shifts to an earlier set of prospects to be considered. They're still making the visits. They're still making the trips. Um, and I, I think they're, they're, I've thought for a while there has to be a better way. But when we come to the recruiting conversation, and we've been, to a certain extent, I've been guilty of it, you, you get in, engage in protectionism. So I do think we, we're going to be good at football. I don't care when we sign, okay? Uh, the Southeastern Conference is going to be incredibly effective at football. But we can't put a signing date that disrupts the high school experience for young people. So I'm concerned about these June ideas. We don't have the experience with only three years of academic information, knowing the development that happens uh, for young people throughout their college career. And when we met, it wasn't unanimous, our football coaches came to that uh, week of the championship game signing idea. Um, it allows you to clear high school recruiting up uh, before, you know, either early in or before the month of December begins. Then you could go quiet or dead, if you will, for the month of December, let coaches focus on their team, their current roster, communication around uh, that, the, the pre preparation for playoff or bowl games, finish in a healthy academic way with your presence being on campus, and then re-engage after the first of the year in recruiting activity. There, there seems something healthy about that in the big picture. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. You know, I, I think the, the transfer window, remember it's a decision, excuse me, it's a declaration window. Like, I, I want to transfer. Um, it's not a decision window. So the ability to make a decision about where um, is solely upon the individual who declares uh, it's time for me to look, look elsewhere. Um, I don't think the transfer window uh, portal windows when they were created, and I acknowledge I was involved in that. It wasn't what I wanted then. I don't, they were never carved in rock. And so we have to be purposeful about the why um, and the when. And, and I think that can change. I, I haven't seen that particular proposal, so I'll be interested in learning more. You know, I, I haven't had any emails about cookies and rooms in a while, so, um, yeah, we, we shouldn't be, I, I observe this relative to some of the bigger picture issues, we shouldn't be majoring in the minors, how's that for the phrase? And 
Uh, but understand, you know, there's a reason all of these regulatory and interpretive issues exist. And it's not because they fell out of the sky. It's because somebody on a campus asked generally a conference office that, hey, why don't we have this policy? That's why they exist. Um, should we go back and do a scrub uh, on, the, on the list of problems we have? Cookie placement is pretty down pretty far down there, but I understand I understand why people look at it and say you're you're majoring in the minors. And, yeah, well the uh, the photo shoot, our conference talked about that. Like we're spending all this time and effort on these visit photo shoots. Why? What's is that how people are making their decisions? Are people making their decision based on cookie placement? I mean the other side of that coin is you just cut out all that nonsense and say you come in, we'll buy you dinner, you'll get to stay in a hotel, you get to visit our campus, and we'll communicate what your life will be like as a young person here. And, you know, stop with the, are, are we making an impact with glitter in rooms? I, I, and ribbons and bows? Maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think that's how decisions are made now. So we do it to ourselves. I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at some unknown entity, but yeah, I understand the question. Talking about uh, rules, I guess the NCAA committee on infractions thinking about penalizing or, you know, uh, penalizing others besides coaching staffs, ADs, chancellors, things like that. Is that a good trend for people or is that maybe you have a, a, a So I, I served nine years on the committee on infractions. Um, it's a completely different era. I think the people who develop those ideas are well-intended, good-hearted, trying to figure out how to manage this change, but the ground is fully shifted. And repeatedly, when you see an NCAA committee around enforcement and infractions issues, think about, well, what do we need to do because this isn't working? I think consistently, and I'll use the word always, elevated penalties or penalties come into play. And the question to the cookie issue, we need to focus on the real issues at play right now. And it's not cookies or cupcakes. Um, and just elevating penalties does nothing to bring matters to resolution. And, and what I would advocate is um, the enforcement shift from individual cases right now or the NCA shift from individual enforcement cases and look at the big picture and the need for solving the challenges in front of us. That's my view. Kind of like those patchwork state NIL laws sure. and things like that. They're popping up there all are, the time, including one that yep. is going through the legislature here. There are a lot of really bright people in those big conference rooms I mentioned and let's direct our energy to the real set of issues. And the reality is uh, the SEC Big Ten Advisory Group is, you know, announced to focus on those big issues, as I tried to answer earlier. Rick, you've got a, a timetable, like in your own head, about when college football is going to be set, where fans, you know, won't wake up one day and these, these schools are moving Things are going to be solid for a little while. We're going to have a set of rules. There's going to be things in place to deal with NIL and transfer and conference realignment. College football is just going to be not so much about the business but about the sport. 
probably when the internet crashes, that would be the time because I don't think we escape what is a different analysis on our sport than it was 20 years ago. You know, w w I, I, what are the changes? So I, I think one of the big changes is the state level of activity. I think another change that's a lot more subtle is conversations that used to take, take place in coffee shops on Mondays after a game, now take place on the internet during the game, on Twitter uh, at that same time. You know, th that's our reality. And so I think those opinions are always going to exist and question, well, why don't they do this and why don't they do that? I'll go back to, I would like to see, you know, I'd love to see the hashtag there's no better time to be a student athlete than right now trending. That's not going to happen, right? Um, I think the next couple of years are incredibly important, though, to trying to come to some conclusion, whether it's through you know, dealing with these court cases or the, the things go to trial, or can Congress either act, and I would hope sooner rather than later, but I know we're in an election cycle. So I, I, I would observe that every day is critical to resolve issues every day, every week, every month. And, and I, would, I would observe the next two years are critical, but I don't have the luxury of thinking there's a time when I'm not gonna lose sleep over the issues you listed. I mean, literally. Uh, I just think that's the, 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 the pace of change, the culture. Um, if you look from 21 forward, so I began my remarks upstairs, would look, let's go back to 2016 and think about change. Let's go back to 2021 and think about all of the change in the preceding 20 years versus the change since 21. Uh, 32 members of the bowl subdivision have changed conferences. You have a conference that effectively won't exist come this summer. Um, you have you know, the, the court cases, you have the state laws, you have, um, I think, very different expectations. Um, you have, you know, Prior to 2020, I'm the newest conference commissioner, and I'm the longest tenured conference commissioner. So that, those realities are, are going to continue to change. And while we need to work towards answers soon, um, I think the expectation of change will continue, or adaptation is a friendlier word, I think, than change. Globally, I mean, a big picture for us. Well, I was going to speak to like softball standing alone from a c competitive rigor in this league uh, as well, since we've had all of our teams selected in the NCAA tournament. And I once made the observation at a men's basketball coaches meeting, like I was asked, what's your expectation? I said, I expect you to perform like our softball teams. <laughs> like, what's that? And like every one of our teams is in the NCAA tournament. Um, and people laughed, but then it's unreasonable to expect that in softball. I think we've had it in, in men's or I think women's golf before. So I, when you were asking the outsized question, oh, I think basketball is a rallying point. In fact, um, you know, it was not something I saw, but I was asked to be involved in the Division One Transformation Committee. And you ask what binds Division One together right now, I would argue it's basketball, period. And it's March with an exclamation point because that's the one venue where now almost 400 college and universities do have some level of interaction. That doesn't mean they're all in the tournament. Um, 
you know, you, we saw last night here with, with the women's basketball game where you think about watching social media when South Carolina played at LSU, the number of NBA and NFL stars during Super Bowl time frame in the NFL who are live tweeting or whatever, Instagramming about SEC women's basketball. I think that shows the importance of the sport on both the men's and the women's side and the attendance last night, knowing how Dawn's had to work uh, and how they've led and, and worked here to build that following. I don't expect that will change. I mean, football's always stood unique um, in, in the college athletics landscape. I think it, it will. Um, I'll leave that and make this point. Uh, there's a lot of observations like, let's just take football away, then we can go have regional conferences again. And that's where I like raise my hand and say, hey, look at our decision making. You know, our longest trip was from here to College Station. Now it's from here to, to Austin. It's like 95 miles. And there are a set of others where student athletes can get there and back in timely fashion. Yeah, you get back late at night, but the way they travel, the number of young women who said, I don't want to go play in the WNBA because I'm not going to fly commercially. You know, we, we charter in this league and get to be a part of that. That informs my observation, but I think all of that is an indication of how special basketball still is in the college landscape. Yep, sorry. Well, I think that's the trade-off. The same for commissioners. Um, you know, the, the, the easy commissioner jobs, easy athletic director jobs, easy associate athletic director jobs are in a rearview mirror. Uh, we're all expected. Uh, there's more expected of us. And, and I understand the frustration. And one of the concerns that I've voiced over time is we lose really good people who say, you know, there's a better place for me to go use my skills. I don't want to see that happen. And that's why, to the question about when can we resolve issues, we need to keep in mind we do need to resolve these issues to create a bit of a healthy culture. As we think about recruiting, our recruiting calendars drive some of the, the, the pressure and can we create more space? You know, dead periods tell everyone to stop. I think that's healthy for our coaches. But we, we're going to have to deal with some of these these issues around clearly around name, image, and likeness and inconsistency. And how do you properly allow transfer opportunities, but but help coaches manage their rosters and manage the opportunities they provide for young people? And you think down the road, schools will not have the flexibility to schedule football-wise to schedule like a, an FCS opponent, which can Oh, no, I don't see that necessarily. I don't see that in the future. I, I, you know, one of the misunderstandings, in my opinion, is people like to say, well, they're just like professional sports. So we're high level. But college sports is still a developmental activity in, in the broad way where an NFL, NBA, that's performance driven. You know, we don't have roster additions on Monday mornings. They do in professional sports. We don't have two-way contracts. You're here. Um, and so part of the developmental opportunity in our schedule allows some of the flexibility you ask about. You have to grow a team. There are no preseason games. Um, and then you're going to be in a rigorous schedule pretty early in September. So I think some of that flexibility works. We also, you know, we could, we could back-end schedule like some do and put all of our non-conference games up front, but for uh, television purposes, we don't do that. We start in week two next year with conference versus conference games. That means you're going to have to have some gaps to fill, and some of that scheduling flexibility around opponents is needed to make that work. You mentioned 
mentioned to the board that you guys are near the conclusion to the 2025 football schedule. It's a question you probably get every three to five months, but uh, is, is there a chance for discussions about that being a, a nine-game conference schedule either for 2025 or, or beyond that? Yes, yeah, the, the, the notion of nine is still on, on our, our leadership mind. It's still on my mind. Um, we'll see what happens. That's the intrigue. Um, I have enjoyed listening to Eli over the years. You know, things change, and you know, I respect those who, who lead that change and make those decisions. Doesn't mean it's easy for anyone, uh, but you know, sometimes I fly to games. I I enjoy driving, and I spent 13 years not as a commissioner, so that was a lot of driving, and got to hear Eli. Um, and I, when I first moved, I I hadn't listened to the radio, and I had heard Eli on NASCAR. Uh, I heard Eli on hockey games back in the day. So, um, you know, Eli has established a, a, a legacy that I know will be remembered and honored. Uh, has there been any discussion about basketball schedules? You know, women play 16, and men play 18 right now. I'll be in the women's schedule, maybe the men going to 20, like some other conferences with OU and Texas coming in? Yes, but we're not. We're not changing. But there has been discussion. You know, one of my one of my great media learning opportunities was in the summer of '22. I, Pat Forty interviewed me, and I had been through a series of meetings. I don't know how you're going to capture this, so treat it with care. I'd been through a series of meetings in June. Um, Transformation Committee, the CCA, the Collegiate Commissioners Association, the Division One Council, and there was all this fear about things being taken away from others, not from me, and it just spurred a, a, a thought that we should be talking about as a way to grow as opposed to just foster the fear of removing. And I said to Pat, look, I don't want to make headlines. And whenever, you, whenever I say that, I need to stop myself. So I've already made the headlines. I said, I, I don't want to make headlines, but perhaps we think about growing the tournament. And that became like the line. I've never talked about when it needs to be done or how many teams. I, I, do, I am encouraged that the Division One committees, men's and women's committees, are looking at the issue. Um, we have grown Division One, and we've not grown the tournament beyond 68. Um, I think the, the lesson of Ole Miss baseball when they won the national championship as the last team in says we're leaving teams out who are highly competitive. And then transfer that to the teams that have played in Dayton as 11 seeds, that have won first-round games, second-round games, made it well into the tournament. We're then leaving out the next team who could likely make that same um, advance. And then we're bringing in a lot of automatic qualifiers. And I've been a, a commissioner as a 16 seed several times, more times than anybody in this room. Uh, and you know how much of a rallying point that is. So how do we balance those interests? And, and I, that's why I raised the issue initially. That's why I think it's important the conversation continue. Um, I don't predict the number. I don't demand or expect a particular number. But I do think we have a responsibility to look at that format size and figure out if there's a different, different setup. And again, I'm encouraged that the committees are, are taking that seriously. Is that a game changer? Do you even have an opinion on that in terms of what it can do for not just the Power 5 athletes, but you know, people all 
No, no. I've I tried to play video games like I could never get through the wrecks on the NASCAR game. And personally, I found, you know, I needed to be developing and learning and growing. So uh, I'm not an expert on video games. I know it's out there. That's something that a company's driving, not, not the conference.